You're listening to episode 74 with Adam Tank, Director of Digital Transformation at Transcend H2O. This episode is brought to you by MasterMeter. Hi, this is Steve Sanders, Director of the Environmental Training Center at Morrisville State College. This is the podcast that is demonstrating the value of communicating about diversity and inclusion in the water sector. Uh, it's Water in Real Life with my friends, the H2 duo, Stephanie Zavala and Arian Shipley. If there's one thing I can be certain of when it comes to you, it's that you love water. And if you're a water utility looking to manage your water you love, then you'll want to talk to our friends over at MasterMeter. They understand that you can't manage what you don't measure, and smart water management begins with accurate measurement. Account for every drop produced and delivered because the utility's progression towards smart cities and IoT begins here. We're trying to be the game changers of communication, and our partner, MasterMeter, is here to deliver game-changing results for you across finance, customer service, and utility operations. They offer an array of products to meet your utility's needs. To determine which smart water metering solution is right for you, visit MasterMeter.com. In addition to the fact that if we don't tell these people what's happening, somebody else will. And we don't know who that person or persons are going to So better us tell the story than other people tell the story. So a high five and Twitter brought us together with Adam Tank. And um, you'll hear more about that story in the podcast interview. But... Um, we love Adam because Adam always comes in hot. Like we're always having supercharged conversations with him, whether it's in person or if it's on Twitter. So he actually has an amazing, uh, he created an amazing <laughs> Twitter explosion by posting this story called, um, it's actually pinned to his Twitter. If you go to at ARTank on Twitter, uh, it's got, it's his pin tweet and it's called sticker shock over water bills with the quote, I can't afford to water. So check that out and add your voice to the conversation. But you can see that those are the kinds of conversations that we get into when we're hanging out with Adam and we love it. So we are all over the place in this conversation. And um, again, it's totally us and we dig it. So not only do we talk about the incredible value of communicating and communicating better to the water industry uh i mean just go check out that pin tweet that i talked about and you'll see why but we also talk about workforce we talk about branding and storytelling and how absolutely fundamental that is to us and give some examples of ways that we see that utilities can do this better and why it's absolutely important that we do so without further ado let's get to the show Adam has over 10 years of experience in the water industry with a focus on business development, software, and engineering. As the director of digital transformation, cool name, he has responsibility for client success related to Transcend Design Generator Software, transcendh2o.com. He works closely with the marketing and software development teams to prioritize development needs and anticipate client requests. Most recently, he served as the North America Smart Cities Director for Suez. He previously led and sold a robotic spin-out of the General Electric Corporation, which focused on cutting-edge potable water pipe rehabilitation techniques. Prior to that, he served as GE Water's digital water leader, managing venture investments and creating software solutions for water distribution challenges. 
Earlier in his career, Adam served as an engineer in the CPG industry, where he both lived and worked in Brazil and led sanitation programs for General Mills' largest yogurt plant in North America. Yum. Adam received his undergraduate degree from Kansas State University, Big 12, and his MBA from the University of Arizona. Welcome to the show, Adam. Hey, thanks so much. I can't, I've, I've been looking forward to this for so long. Dude, so, so have, so have we. we. Since the moment you high-fived us at Imagine <laughs> Since the moment I interrupted a conference panel to get up and high-five Adam. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. what happened, yes. That it's is. Front row, stand up. One of us I, stood up. It might have been me. I don't know. Somebody stood up. You. This conference. Heckled. So many panels are so boring, so I'm glad <laughs> we disrupted it a bit. Yeah, disruption. I had to get up. Well, I had to stand up because I was the one sitting, but you had to like get up to, you know, like reach, do the reach. So y'all, it was epic. It was an epic moment. Yeah. Um, But first things first, the question we ask all our guests right out the gate, did you choose water or did water choose you? Water chose me. Yay. And we're so glad it did. It chose me. Yes. That bio though. So thankful. I mean, we've got, you know, we, we, we have... So people in this industry generally are extremely passionate about what they do, more so than many other industries I've been a part of. Yep. And when you find someone that you see has the excitement, like many people do for water, it's tough not to want to play a part. Mm -hmm. And the more you get to know it, the more you end up loving it because you realize just how important it is. Yeah. It's like a bunch of kids in a swimming pool, you know, you just got to jump in. You jump in and then everyone's a, yeah, everyone's a family and we're all yeah. having a ton of fun. Marco it's- Polo. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of feels like at conferences. Yeah. Like, hey, let's yeah. meet up. Great. Marco Polo. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the old career model was you find a job, stay there 30 years, retire, and then die. <laughs> That's definitely not the model today. Some employees are, uh, some employers are threatened by that actually. And they don't think that's fair and or I don't think that's fair to, for them to be threatened by that in today's world. So what can the water industry do to help keep people? But also, why should a diverse work history no longer be a red flag? I believe the beauty of real transformation in an industry and especially water, one that's that literally thousands of years old, mm-hmm. happens when you get diversity of thought. Yes. And diversity of thought comes from diversity of experience. And if you have someone that's come from other industries, doesn't matter the function. I don't care if it's business, if it's accounting, if it's HR, it could be in marketing, communications, on the engineering side, it could be, you name the industry outside of water. When they come in, you bring such a different perspective on a set of problems that's existed forever. Yeah, I love it. And that's how we truly change. Yep. That's how we do it. Yeah. And you, yeah, you bring such a a wide variety of experience when, you know, I used to look at my pathway to where we are today and be like, what am I doing? I, you know, I have an undergrad in business. I have a master's in environmental science, certified public communicator. Turns out those are all three things that I use on the daily doing what we do now. So like, don't ever judge your path. You know, you don't. Since starting the podcast, I used to think like I was the weird one because water (laughs) chose me or whatever. Turns out like, everybody is having the same 
type of like they feel weird that like I didn't I wasn't born like a water nerd and I'm like none of us seem to be I mean there's a small percentage of us who actually were and I think that's fun we've had a, a lot of interesting conversations from all these different experiences that people are having yeah and bringing to our industry so like in Texas, they say, I wasn't born in Texas, but I got here as fast as I could. It's like, I wasn't born a water nerd, but you know, we got here as fast as we could. Well, it's like fast, you know, relative. Yeah. Yes. And we're, <laughs> and we're staying, we're sticking with it. We're staying here. Damn it. Can't get rid of us. Yep. <laughs> okay. Let's take a step back a minute. So how can we do better at getting more people in the door of the water industry? So when we are at Imagine H2O, you mentioned making change as simple as job titles. Mm. Um, One thing we're proud of is one of our first hires um, is our chief revolution strategist. Yep. That's a legit description of what she does on the daily, um, but also makes Nosh feel like she's kind of a badass, which she totally is. Yes. So (laughs) why are these small adjustments important and where else are we missing that mark? So the, the, the trick to this whole thing, I think, is that, and I mentioned it on this panel, that we aren't just, com- as a water company or water organization, you aren't just competing for people that want to work in water or that are applying for water jobs. The same people applying for water jobs are probably also qualified to apply anywhere else. Oh, yeah. And so the, what we're competing with is not just other water companies or water organizations. We're competing with organizations outside of water. Mm-hmm. So if you have, take this as an example, you know, a talented say, computer scientist, software engineer in the Bay Area, and they're trying to decide between Google, Facebook, Apple, <laughs> or East Bay Municipal Utility District. Yeah. How does EB Mud convince someone right mm-hmm. out of school that they should work for the public water utility instead of yes, right, whatever tech company you want to name. Yeah. That's that to me is the challenge. And I think that if you start small with change in how you communicate job positions and responsibilities, mm-hmm. it actually makes a tremendous world of difference. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying that everyone needs to, you know, every utility out there needs to say, oh, we're gonna hire for a uh, <laughs> uh let's yeah, chief water software ninja business and that blah 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 like that's a load of crap to me that's that's a complete load of crap right what you should do is think critically about the responsibilities of the role this person's going to have mm-hmm. but also tie in the mission of water because mm-hmm. that's one thing that we have the trump card on everybody mm-hmm. with, is the beauty of the work that we do and how important it is to life as we know it yeah and no one can argue that if they did freshen up the job titles that people wouldn't understand what that person does because most people don't understand what people do based on their job (laughs) descriptions now so you know it's like yeah i mean and and then as with any city if you go through your list of job duties there is the um other duties as a sign so you never know what you're going to get into in the water industry but yeah like make it something that is actually um i feel like i was chief other duties as a sign yeah (laughs) Mm I think you probably yes. were. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So do that. I mean, that's, so that's a, that's one big part of it. And I would, you know, we don't have time now, but go through your local public utilities website, look at the jobs and they're going to be boring, mm-hmm. but the jobs actually aren't that boring. No. They're actually pretty cool jobs, especially as technology comes into the center. We're using drones. We're using robotics. We're using, we have big data challenges. Mm-hmm. Talk about customer engagement challenges. I mean, 
politics, right? It all oh, comes yeah. in the yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And we just, you don't think about that, especially reading job description. You're like, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to, like you said, if I worked here, I'm going to die here. It's going to be horrible. <laughs> I want to work in this industry. And that's not the case. The yeah. second, the second thing though, I think we could really do is that all of us who are in the industry have a responsibility to personally reach out and recruit people. Mm. Mm. Yes. I don't care what level of the organization you're in. You have a responsibility to reach out and recruit. Yeah. And don't let those who are in there leave. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. That too. Yeah. Even I mean, if- that's, yeah. Workforce development is a whole another can of worms. Mm. Even if you're not in specifically like the water industry proper, but uh, let's say you you are a professor at a university and you're passionate about water and the water issues. Like um, coming up after we release yours, we are speaking with a, a guy named Chris Caro, who's a YP, but he's in this industry because a professor saw uh, saw talent in him and said, so have you ever considered getting into the water industry? And he's here now, you know, and because like, yeah. He and he like, gave him tools to go um, be, you know, told him about internships and things like that to keep him integrated into the, into the, uh, the industry. And so like, even if you're, even if you are a utility, but you have relationships with universities, like build those relationships so that those professors are so into what you're doing at your utility that they reach out to those students and get them involved at a time when they're making serious decisions about what their next life choice is going to be. I mean, if every drop counts, every person counts, get them in. You're right. You're absolutely right. And it's, it doesn't even have, they don't, they, they could have zero interest in water, no formal education experience in water. And that's totally fine. Yep. Take your, you know, your undergraduate, business student, freshman, guarantee there's work they can do Yeah, a water utility or a water company or a startup that would at least get their foot in the door and expose them to what water is. And yeah. water has a weird way of like latching on and never latching on. Go. Yeah. <laughs> so like, like the, to pull another water reference, it's like the clown yeah. pit in the sewer yeah. that just oh, like reaches you and <laughs> Okay. I'm having given everyone nightmares. nightmares. <laughs> like, uh, uh, triggered area. Like, what's going on? <laughs> but to raise a point, when you're talking about um, putting job descriptions out, especially in an environment like San Francisco, where you have all these huge names that everyone knows, I think that also speaks to the fact of that we need to be telling our story all the time and creating the same level of brand recognition that. Facebook and Google and all of these other competitors have because the thing is, is their job description may just say software engineer, but I know that I'm going to be a software engineer for Google or a software engineer for Facebook because that brand is strong or whatever. But what am I going to be when, if I'm a soft, if I'm a software engineer at East Bay mud, like we have to look at ourselves and that sounds cool too. we ha- I mean, to me it does, but like to, to, you know, to my daughter, she'd be like, who the hell is East Bay mud, you know, but mm-hmm. like we, ha- and that's another reason why we have to brand ourselves as if we are competing with these same companies and organizations, maybe not for market share, but like Alan Heyman said from Blue Drop, we're competing for mind share. So we need to be branding ourselves just, just as well as they are. So yeah. Uh, shifting. Yeah. We're shifting. 
what are we shifting towards? <laughs> we are shifting to more of a branding storytelling subject. Uh, one of you know my favorite topics. Oh, I guess right. Like great segue for me there. Yeah. I segued myself. <laughs> uh, we really feel like we're at this tipping point where if we don't truly begin to invest more time, money, and talent in getting better at these things, these communication things, we may be headed further down a path that's difficult to recover from. And this path I'm alluding to is the trust that we have with our customers. Um, You know, we have nothing without them, without their trust. And while there are very legitimate concerns and issues happening in the water space right now, there's also a lot of what you called in one of our conversations, junk science. And you made a comparison to like the anti-vax movement and you quite frankly scared the shit out of us. Uh, So go down this path a little more with us. Like, what do you mean by that junk science comparison? Yes. I think the anti-vax, it's not even a debate, whatever you want to call it. Now that it's in the public sphere, the anti-vax situation that's occurring is a great, I hope not one for one, but it could be of what might happen in the water industry around water quality issues specifically. And so what I mean by this is that in the absence of verifiable scientific fact that's communicated well to the general public, people will form their own opinions. Mm -hmm. And in many cases, those opinions are formed by junk science, Mm -hmm. people that have a financial incentive to push crappy data, crappy facts, and people that don't care about the implications of pushing that. That's quote unquote science into the public because it's for their own, it's in their own best interest. Yeah. So in water, in the absence of us communicating all of the good work we're doing around water treatment, the science behind removals of contaminants in the water supply. Mm-hmm. The fact that tap water, by and large, is safe, good quality, great to drink, and you should be you should prefer that and take that over any other source of water at any given time. In the absence of us doing that, someone else is going to tell the story, just like just like what's happening in the vaccination. Mm-hmm. And that someone else is not going to have the best interests of the water industry in mind. Mm. So we have got, we need to take the ownership of telling that story or what's going to happen is we're going to see something similar happen to what's going on anti-vax. And we're already seeing it to some degree with, right, public not trusting tap, going for bottled water, going for other sources of, of water that's supposedly cleaner, fresher, better, healthier, smarter, whatever you want to talk, whatever you want to call it. And that it's just going to continue to happen. It's going to decimate the industry. Yeah. And some companies who say what we're doing to the water or with the water is perfectly fine. It's fine. Perfectly safe. And you're like, oh boy. <laughs> no. Oh boy. That's correct. No. That's correct. Mm. That, that's what I mean by that. And it's, again, I think if you're listening to this podcast and you're in the water industry, just like you have an obligation to recruit the next generation of water professionals, you have an obligation to tell the truth about what's happening in water. Yeah. Adam, I'd like for you to, I'm going to go rogue for just a second. I'd like for us to one day work on the water operators, water industry oath. We've talked about oh, that. Oh, yeah. Like, mm. yeah, engineers like, have. You know how the, the engineers, the police, the fire, they have all these, you know, they have this oath that they take, you know, government officials. Um, and you're like, well, where's ours? You know, like, 
we have obligations too that Doctors we need to uphold. Have it. And, mm -hmm. and so we are, you know, all taking care of the number one thing in the world that needs to be taken care of. And I would like oaths behind that. I think it just reminds you like, of the the seriousness of yeah. what we do every single day because we just get up and we go to work and we do it. And, you know, we forget sometimes the implications of just like how absolutely vital that is to the public health of every single community in this country. And uh, it's like, I think that that would mean a lot for, especially for the men and women out in boots on the ground in yes, the field that's what I was gonna say to next. know that like you're going to go through an element of training and after that you're going to take this oath and in that oath you're going to be reminded of how important you are to the community that you serve like that's just yeah I mean it's no different than like when I went to A&M Giggum Aggies and we had to do this we but had to do this like I apologize for this that. oath um that we would Aggies do not lie cheat or steal or tolerate those who do Mm -hmm. And that is stuck in my head. And every time you took a test, you either had to write it down or they made you like sign your life away that you agreed to that. And it was a huge reminder that you better not cheat, yeah. you know, and or in any facet of life, not even just test taking. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that would be super important and, and something that we should all start campaigning for is these obligations that we're throwing out there. Like let's put those in an oath and, and commit to them. Yeah. Yeah. I'll raise my hand. All right. I'm going to craft that oath. Craft that oath. Um, you said something several times in your response about telling our story. And um, later on, later on in season three, we're going to release an episode with Tobin Redwine, Dr. Tobin Redwine from Texas A&M University. Him, Aggie. <laughs> and he's a, he's a story, a neuroscience researcher as well. And he was telling us about how he was talking to us about that very thing about changing people's minds when they're dug in just, even if what they believe is complete junk science, like you're saying, but they're so dug in that if you just come to them with the facts alone, it's not, that, never going to work. It's never going to work. They actually have, no. Uh, research projects that show that it actually um, pushes them more towards their Correct. It reinforces their, their position. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's that story that that emotional, that tying to the emotions, tying to things that uh, knowing their audience, relatable. knowing what's relevant to them, knowing what's relatable, knowing these things and telling it, telling that story versus just saying, nope, you're wrong. These are the facts. You're wrong because it's not going to work. Yeah. It never works. Emotions always win. We are emotional creatures at our core, period. We are. And I, I don't know who it was that said it, but pe you know, they say people will forget what you said, but they'll never forget. Maya Angelou. Yeah, it's, so. It's, it's completely yes. true. If people mm -hmm. don't make logical decisions, they make emotional decisions, and then based after the fact, make logic mm -hmm. to, <laughs> to make that. sense of the decision. Yeah. Based on the experiences that they've already had in their own life. Like, yeah. Yes. Yes, that is correct. Neuroscience. And, and so like, I mean, in water, the beauty of this industry is that we have so many emotional stories to tell, but we just don't tell them. I know. Mm. Same thing I talked about on the panel is when you have someone in middle of nowhere, Wisconsin, it's 20 below in January and it's 3 a.m. and they get a call that a giant water main broke and it's flooding a bunch of businesses in the downtown district in some small yeah. town. Mm -hmm. right, and you got someone out there that go grabs a backhoe from Lord knows where, digs up a street, works on it for five hours, clamps the pipe. You never hear about it. Mm -mm. 
But that yeah. could literally be made into like a small feature film. <laughs> right. About how heroic that is. Yeah. But we don't tell that story. It just it just blows my mind. Nope. Mm. Okay, so let's not go, keep going down Debbie Downer Lane. Um, <laughs> listeners, all is not lost, okay? So, you know, we can turn this ship around today. So let's talk how now. So one of our, like, ABCs um, that we, we – there you want to explain the ABCs or is that <laughs> assessment branding content strategy? There you go. That we both provide – well, you kind of looked at me like – explain the ABCs. I'll tell you why I was looking at you in a second. Okay. So one of our ABCs that we both provide and teach through Rogue Water is content. And uh, you've told us before that we need to shift from a consumption mindset to a production mindset. Yes. yes. Our, ca- our caveat is to not create something just for the sake of creating it. So yes. um, we ask like, why are you creating it? How does this tie back into your mission? What are you trying to accomplish? So Adam... What are your thoughts on content creation in the water space? <laughs> I, I'm a firm believer that, let's say you're spending three hours a day consuming content, you should try to spend three hours producing. Mm. Even if it's not for anyone else. Even yes. if it's just for yourself, mm-hmm. that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. But I think a, a great example, this, this, is, this is such a fascinating example, and stick with me on this one. <laughs> I like this. And it's a weird one too. So better. Intrigued. intrigued. All right. YouTube. <clears throat> I'm sure everyone listening to this show is familiar with YouTube. If you're not, youtube.com. Pretty <laughs> Ask Jeeves. What's <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh my goodness. Poor Jeeves. Whatever happened. He's still around. All right. So so YouTube. There are content creators coming out of the woodwork that film the most boring, mundane nothingness that rack up millions and millions of views, not to mention revenue Yep. Ding, ding, ding. for putting content out that you would never in a million years expect to want to watch, mm-hmm. listen to. And it's, and this is, here's a good example. Dermatologist, Dr. Pimple Popper. Ah! I have, I have a good example that's not as gross, so I'll let you go first because that one just made me want to vomit. So this, this woman starts filming her procedures in her office, posts them on YouTube, gets you millions of views, now has her own mm-hmm. televised network TV show. Yes. It makes me sad for humanity. <laughs> I see the same thing happening with mechanics. I see the same thing happening with plumbers. I see the same thing happening with painters, fishermen, hunters. The list goes on. Let me add, um, children YouTube channels that it's just a person's hand. Oh, and they're things. opening up um, yes. Play-Doh. They're cutting Play-Doh yes. open and they're digging through the Play-Doh or whatever goop they have. And they find a toy and they open the toy and they put the toy, a 25-cent toy, and they stick it down there. And I'll tell you what, my kids love that crap. And I'm like, and it's, there's millions of views per video. Don't get it. So how do we, how do we actually implement <laughs> something based off of this? And it's obviously, you know, lawyers are probably going to freak out for us talking about this, but Ooh. put a GoPro yes. on the hard hat of someone going out in the field 
and watch them do their thing for a day. Watch them, yeah. Mm-hmm. Watch someone repair a water meter. Mm-hmm. Watch someone dig a hole in the street. Watch someone clamp a pipe. Watch some do whatever it is. Yep. Start there, and you will be shocked. Yeah. At how many people pay attention to this stuff? Yeah. And by the way, you can also reuse that content over and over and over. That's amazing B-roll footage you just got yeah. there. It's hours. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, that's just one simple example of being a content creator. And yes, okay. I agree. You don't just create content for content's sake. But in the in an industry where we are not used to creating content, we just got to get people to start. That's part. Yeah, focus exactly. Focus on the refinement, if you will. Yeah, <laughs> right. Just April giraffe, all of our utilities. I mean, that's a thing. Do you remember April the giraffe? April the giraffe. Oh yeah, Google I mean, April the giraffe. I mean, I, I never tuned in, but like all of America waiting for this. I have, I'm guilty of both. All of America, <laughs> including myself, watched April giraffe for months, labor, and then finally have our baby. Again, a, another example: eagles. There was an eagle couple. Yes, I remember that one. I remember yeah, that. Okay. one. this was 2010. I know exactly where I was sitting at the desk I was at. And I guilty. I watched a lot of eagles being sat on and hatched and then fed. It's fascinating. <laughs> what food are they going to bring to them today? It's it's so wild. Yeah, it's so wild. Here, actually, here's one coming up since it's Weft Tech for the Ops Challenge. Oh, yes, Ooh, yes, yeah. Yes. Why did we not film that? Why aren't we filming yeah, that? You know, put a little spin on around competition, right? Like, how fast can someone do X, Y, or Z? How fast can someone, you know, fix a hydrant or, or repair a line or do some of the valve? Did Rogue Water just buy all these people GoPros and are now the official sponsor of? Ooh. <laughs> Rogue Water stuff everywhere. <laughs> right. I want to see a whole team of uh, some ops challenge or the pipe tapping team or something just roll up, just chameleon everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere chameleon. Cameras. And then our faces right Cameras. here. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> They're like race car drivers. There Hello. You with, there you go. With what? Cameras. With cameras. Yeah. Um, but I think the whole your whole point of you know consumption versus production is just that's yeah. You, I can't say enough about that. Our I mean, brains. Our brains are being hijacked. Mm. Consume. And if you're a parent listening to this, please like repeat that to your children. I have actually said that exact same thing to my daughter on several occasions. Instead of just watching these people make things or doing nothing like why don't you make videos and I actually do like her she and her friends actually do produce a lot of content a lot of TikTok videos and and those kinds of things and um she does do art stuff from time to time but that's so important quit consuming make something get out in the world greed you too water industry (laughs) um So we've talked before about how we need to change the language we use when communicating with our customers. So first of all, I think we need to start speaking English to begin with, AKA, I don't mean literally English, but words and terms that our audience actually understands. Um, Could be Spanish, but same thing. Yeah, but words and terms. And don't just translate it. Don't just Google translate it. Please get somebody who can actually translate into the legit language. Wow. Bigger than that, we need to rehumanize the way we tell our story, whether it's like we said in our job descriptions or outreach or public education. 
we used to annoy all the uh, field personnel at our old city because we were relentless about getting footage footage of them in the field, just like you said, and telling their story. But I mean, it led to more community support. It led to them actually getting love on social media when they were um, working on jobs. Slipped off less. Yeah. Um, you know, the field. had we been there longer, our goal was to, like you said, get less people flipping them off and, you know, really start to humanize that story. Mm-hmm. So you also have some examples of humanizing that story. I know you shared the one where you painted the beautiful picture of the person working on the, on the uh, main break in 20 mm-hmm. below mm-hmm. weather, but, um, you got any other ones for us? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's, so there's two real world examples that I think we could definitely adopt more widespread. The first mm-hmm. one is when folks are working out in the field, think about it for yourselves and anyone listening. When you drive by and you notice that the streets close and you see people with hard hats on, your first thought is probably like, oh my God, how long is this going to take? This is such a pain. I'm stuck here. The list goes on. Mm-hmm. Yep. The utility or whoever's doing the work contractor on behalf of the utility can totally reframe that as these are, these are your neighbors. You know, they're not driving from 10 states away to come do this work. They're local. Yep. These are your neighbors. Some utilities have gone so far as in advance of the work, if they know that it's planned to reach out to people who are affected and say, Hey, Joe, Mary, Bob are going to be out for the next two months. Right. They're all where they're part of the community, mm-hmm. right? They even might say like, Joe has a couple kids, da 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 da, And they really bring home who the people are in the field actually working on your street. Mm-hmm. So then you think, okay, like, yeah, it still sucks. My streets closed, but at least I know the people who are out there mm-hmm. and can relate to them. Mm-hmm. Can relate to them. Yep. The other thing is I think we could, we could definitely have like phone numbers or at least something listed on the outside of our utility vans <laughs> that people could call more often than not, you're going to get people complaining. That's also an opportunity to change their perspective a bit. On that. Yes. I agree. Yeah. The second one I think is, is, um, is, is really cool. And it's something that happened in Australia with a public tree care program. Hmm. Okay. So, so and I'll have to look at which city it was in Australia that did this, but basically they had a number of trees in public parks and the maintenance crews for the city didn't know when to go and take care of the trees if something was wrong. Mm-hmm. So if there was a limb down or if one was sick or dying or something had happened, mm-hmm. if one was laying across a path, a root broke up the gravel, whatever. Sure. No one, you know, no one patrols those, those areas too regularly, so they didn't know how to do it. So what they did was they had the city spent, I don't even, it wasn't, it, I mean, really it was not that much money. And they gave each tree a unique IP address, which basically was a unique identifier for an email address. Mm-hmm. They gave the trees names mm-hmm. and they said, a little placard that said, hey, my name is so-and-so, right? If you see anything wrong, email me. <laughs> And before you know it, Brilliant. the city is getting emails not only to say like, hey, some, uh, this tree blossoms are all falling off or it's filled with, you know, worms or something. It's leaves are getting eaten. They got those. But people started writing in, writing poems to individual trees. So awesome. Thanking them for shade, thanking them for letting their kids climb on them, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And so yeah. what's, what's interesting to me about the water sector is that we could totally do something like this for totally fire hydrants. Yep. Mm, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Right. Hey, hydrant on a corner. You're leaking. Mm-hmm. 
no one's going to, no one's going to call a utility probably to right. something speaking. Yeah. But if there's a little thing on there that says like, Hey, text this number or snap a photo and a hashtag, right? Like East Bay mud water utility, hydrant leak, whatever. Right. It's so tremendously valuable. And there's actually an ROI on that for the utility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Win-win. I Those mean, would be two examples. I was thinking like potholes and just like, I know that's not water, but like all these different little problems, don't make them problems, like turn those into, you know, solutions, give them all an email address and, you know, and it may even act as like a buffer because that person who's annoyed or angry with it would send it to the potholes email and not mine. Yeah. And then like, then I could call and be like, so Mr. Pothole said, or whatever, like name your whole campaign. you know, said that you were a little upset. Let's talk about this, you know? And then by that time, maybe they've, you know, calmed down a little bit. Mm -hmm. Let your infrastructure be the buffers (laughs) of emotions. That's that's an interesting concept. I'm like already trying to brainstorm all the names of fire hydrants that I, (laughs) I mean, we have manholes, we have all kinds Mm -hmm. of, you know, boxes. Like sewers, sewers, good example. Mm. Storm drain. Clogged up with crap. Yeah. Like, don't just things. paint a picture on it and put a placard that says no rain down the drain. Give me a name. <laughs> sure. Or do like an adopted drain program. Love I'm it. sure they exist. They do. They do. Right. People would, I mean, there's just, there's so much possibility. It's fun. Yeah. We could be the actual ROI. Yeah, for sure. I love that story when you told us mm-hmm. about the trees. I think that is, uh, that's I'm an amazing story. IP address to every tree like I've ever met. Yeah, give them all a voice. Google's about to like blow up. The Lorax is about to go insane. Mm -hmm. He's like, yeah. The voice of the trees. I'm sorry. We're back. Um, Always a pleasure, Adam. Uh, Always a pleasure. I'm sure this is just one of many chats that we will have about all of the things that, uh, you know, but um, but before we let you go, I'm going to let Ariane get into the lightning round. Okay, are you ready for this? <laughs> I love how like somebody before was like the lightning round is like never fast or something. And we're like, no, it's not. It's uh, hashtag ironic. Um, story of our lives. So Adam, I'm super interested in finding out what's your favorite book right now that you can recommend to us. Favorite book of that I'm currently reading? Sure. Favorite book you feel inclined to give us in this moment. Whatever you- ten, yeah. Whatever. You can give me a 10 list. I'm a huge book book person. Start. Love, love, love them. Yes. Love, love, Do love you. them. In this context, I oh, would it could say be any context. Any context, then. What's your favorite book of all time? We'll start there. So that book is called Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I Not have so. like a, Yeah. So I put off reading that book for so long because I was like, ugh, I don't want to read a book about finances. Like, this mm-hmm. is going to be terrible. And then it would be like, oh, puppy. <laughs> do you have a dog? I do. <laughs> Did I you just silence the dog on the computer? I silenced myself. Oh. Um, yes, on the on – the, uh, So smart. I would have thought about that. Okay, uh, so uh, – and then it was amazing, and I loved it. And it's like uh, – it's – been around since like what the, the 20s? 20s? I think it was, yeah, it was, uh, yeah. yeah, I want to say, yeah, 20, uh, man, I don't know, yes, 20s yes. or 30s. 
It's like next to the Bible, the most like printed mm-hmm. or something book like that. Like, and all the, when you read it, you start to feel like you're a part of this club. I don't know, because some of the most successful people in the world read it like regularly, yeah. quarterly, at least once a year, you know, it's just, yeah. Wow. Okay. So we've got your favorite book of all time. Now let's like come back a little bit. So what's your favorite book that you're reading right now? We're just going to work our way through each genre. <laughs> <laughs> for each genre. <laughs> so right now I'm in the middle of two books. Ooh. And I have a problem with that. Like I have like two or three books open at the same time. That's we're um, cut from the same cloth. Yeah, it's 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 kind of a problem. Mm-hmm. My wife tells me that a lot. So uh my probably my my current favorite that I'm reading. I actually just finished one that's that's that was really good. And it was called Red Notice. Okay. It's by someone named Bill Browder, and he was one of the largest investors in Russia after the USSR fell. Oh, wow. And he kind of like points a finger at Russia and said, you killed my lawyer. I hate you. You're super corrupt, so I'm going to try to fight back. And it's about this guy's struggle being basically a world financer and dealing with Russia. It was pretty intense. Mm. Okay. That sounds intense. Yeah. 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 That's one of the ones that you're reading right now, or you just that fin- one I just I just finished it. So the actually actually this is an interesting one. So one I'm rereading that's currently in my backpack is called uh, the fiftieth law. The what? The what? Cut out for a second. The fiftieth law. Okay. Ooh. I want to make sure that's right. I should go get it. But it's by Fifty Cent. <laughs> yes. Robert Greene, who you might yes. know from. 48 Laws of Power, and a whole bunch of other books that Robert Greene has written. Hmm. In so, 50 Cent. In 50 Cent. Mm. So it's actually 50 in many cases from a leadership and marketing and business perspective. And then Robert Greene parallels it with historical studies on leadership, power, marketing, and why it's worked for 50. Wow. Okay. It's actually I- a really cool book. Really want to read sounds that. Sounds really cool. Yeah. yeah. I cool. okay. I like that. You take me to the candy shop. <laughs> it's your birthday. Right <laughs> on, <I thought. laughs> okay. So what's something that you do every day that drives your productivity? I sit back and reflect probably more than I should. Nice. No, that's you, good. People don't think enough. Yeah. Yeah. I I I try to be very, very consistent with the time I spend just thinking Mm. Mm. like to the point where I'll block off time every single day to do it like some people I should do it with the gym I should do it with probably content creation right I should do it with other stuff but that to me is like my sacred time Mm. I spend a lot of time doing that what do you call it on your calendar don't I don't I don't even have a name for it Mm. like I literally just be a block untitled untitled blank blank I like it. I do too. Tank is blank. Tank is blank. <laughs> Tank is blank right now. Please call back later. But for my final question, <laughs> before we say goodbye. Is this, a, um, is this a surprise question? No, I haven't asked. I want to yeah. surprises. Oh, dang. Okay. All right. You ready for this one? This is a big one. Hit me. Hit me. Okay. So as you know, Ariane and I did public communication and education outreach. And so we would hear people sometimes say, what difference does it make if I make a change? Like I'm just one person. I'm not going to change the world. I'm just one person. 
And we would be like, eh, try again, wrong. You never know what your change could inspire in other people. You know, you don't know what you might, uh, what you might create. And uh, so call to actions are really important, mission-driven, very important to us. So what's the one call to action that you're most passionate about that you believe could ultimately change the world? Recruiting the next generation of water. <laughs> he had to think for a minute. He did think, yeah. I know it sounds cheesy. I mean, I have I have other personal ones that I firmly believe in um, and that I spend a lot of time and energy with, but that one professionally in a day-to-day, 100%, mm-hmm. is recruiting the next generation of talent in the water industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of a big without, deal. I mean, literally, yeah, without it, we're dead. Mm-hmm. So Literally. I mean, <laughs> literally, like we're not yes. kidding. Straight without water. Think tank. All screwed. Yeah, so that's a really big one. For me. All right, can you give us one personal one? I'm intrigued. What's personal? Yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, of trying to help decrease recidivism rates in the prison population. Mm. Wow. And I spent when I was in California, I spent a lot of time with a, a nonprofit called Defy Ventures, and they were focused on rehabilitation programs on for currently and formerly incarcerated. Wow. Wow. So it's, it's this vicious cycle that if you end up in prison, mm-hmm. you're not there to raise your children, chances are they'll also end up in prison mm-hmm. and it never stops. Mm-hmm. So you have to break the cycle somewhere. Uh, so that's a really big one for me is. And even if it's an older parent, um, you know, I have from experience a father who was in jail for a while and he is struggling to find jobs and, and he wants to do right in life. And he's like, this is way harder um, to do the right thing and to go down the right path. Yes. Yes. It's, it's extremely difficult. I mean, you know, I've, I've spoken with so many people that as soon as they're released, they go to a restaurant for the first time they look at a menu and they break down because they can't fathom making that decision when they have 20, 30, 40 different options. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because in prison, you never have to think about it. Mm-hmm. And that's just one example of all the choices you have to make. Every not day. To mention, right. You don't, you're not up to date with the technology. Mm-hmm. So much has changed. It's, it's scary as hell. And so in many ways, the easier thing to do is to find a way to get back in because mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a bed, I have meals, it's all good, right? I'll be taken care of. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just it's a vicious cycle. So anyway, on the personal side, that's that's what I get excited about. Interesting. Nice. I think we you and I could have some further conversations about all that. Okay, good. <laughs> like it. Good. Well, Adam, like we said, uh from the moment we high fived, we knew that we would be <laughs> friends forever. So uh thank you for taking the time out and uh chatting with us today. We had a good time. Yes. Appreciate you heckling right back yes you appreciate <laughs> from that. the start actually That's yeah thank you too so much for everything you're doing in the sector yeah. we, it's desperately needed so okay. thank you thank you <laughs> gems like you yep we hope you enjoyed today's episode never miss out on future episodes by signing up for the water nerd newsletter found at the h2duo.com forward slash newsletter you can also find us on twitter and instagram at the underscore h2duo we share all of our new episodes there as well as in the newsletter so whether we come across your feed or in your inbox be sure to share episodes with your friends family colleagues fellow water nerds help us spread the word 
We hope you learned something new today, got a little inspired, or did something that brought you one step closer to your goal. Until next time, remember what one of our favorite quotes says, Those who tell the stories rule the world.